of indifference. And so Ephesians 5 says this, 21 through 27. So a couple of verses for us to uh, kind of uh, spend some time on. 21 through 27 says, Submitting yourselves uh, unto one another in the fear of the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of water by the word, that he may present it to himself a glorious church, having not spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. And so uh, we're, we're going to look at a couple of things that uh, we need to not be indifferent towards, but to be uh, leading in. And a lot of them are going to have crossover because basically all of us know really what's important. It's just that sometimes uh, we let things um, push it out and, you know, crowd out what we should be doing and things. So let's look at this first off. Number one, the indifference towards biblical uh, roles, the indifference towards biblical roles. And in looking at this in Ephesians, it gives us a couple of things uh, that we should be doing and that we know that we should be doing. And well, probably we've covered them before or whatever else. But A right here says this, husbands must provide the role of leadership. Husbands must provide the role of leadership. This is in verse number 23. And typically, uh, we, we talked about this before, but it's been my experience that most of the time, uh, every once in a while, you come into a situation where um, the wife is not willing to let the husband lead. She kind of always wants to pull him back on that. That happens occasionally. What happens a lot of the times is, is that the husband really doesn't want to lead. So he's not stepping up to take that. And so uh, a wife will go ahead and step in and, and lead that thing. You know, an interesting thing I noticed back in college before I ever understood that it related to marriage and things like that because I was 21 and I was retarded at the time. But um, a bus route, I've grown up in bus routes since I was eight years old. So when, when I go to college, there's a bunch of people on the bus route and stuff. And so typically you have about like 10 workers uh, on a bus. Bible college, uh, during, the, during the time I was there, uh, it was like 70%, uh, 65 to 70% girls that were there and then 30, 35% guys that were there, which is great if you needed a date, but uh, what it kind of showed you too was is that we didn't have as many guys uh, stepping up, right? And so when you get on a bus route, invariably, if you had 10 workers, there'd be more lady workers on there than guy workers on there. Now, if I got in a route where uh, the guys weren't willing to step up and do a bus program, which might, which might mean a lot to some of you, mean nothing to any of you else, but basically the rule is on the bus that there's always going to be a bus program and either you're leading it as the worker or the kids are leading it. One leads to life eternal and one leads to death and destruction. And so you want to be taking charge and leading them in the right direction. Hey, we're going to sing these songs, guys. We're going to play this game, whatever else. And so if the leaders are leading it, things are great. It's just like your home and the country and everything else, right? Uh, but if the, if the wild mob is leading it, then things tend to uh, go downhill very quickly, right? So you can relate, right? Pete and all my other bus workers in college here. So Basically, if I was on a route and the guys didn't want to step up and lead, they would be fine just sitting there and just letting stuff happen, right? Kids throw stuff, people kind of get beat up, and you just deal with problems, but only the biggest of problems. You're never actively leading. But what I noticed was is that ladies were never willing to sit back and just let things be chaotic. So they would step up there and they would, they would try to do some type of program or whatever else, 
But really, they would just get frustrated because they were like, the guy you're supposed to be, they look at this guy like, you're sitting here, like you're supposed to be up there doing this. And they would say little things or whatever else. Uh, but they were unwilling to let it run forward in chaos and destruction. While a lot of guys I knew were plenty willing to let it run forward in chaos and destruction. Okay, fast forward into, into what, I, what I sometimes see now. In the home, I think it's the same thing. Ladies are not willing to just let it drop and fall apart. Perfect example. In a, a you know, divorce settlement happens or whatever else, that lady will fight like crazy to the end of her life for those kids to get those kids or to have those kids or whatever else. And to maintain that, even though it's going to make seemingly her life more chaotic, harder, harder financially, all of those things. She knows those things. However, she's unwilling to let it fall apart. Whereas there's plenty of guys that I've met over the years who are definitely willing to just let it fall apart. So it's not really the case very often that a lady's saying like, no, no, I'm not going to let you lead. I'm not going to let you lead. Most of the time it's the guy saying like, eh, I'm cool and not leading. And so sometimes it's important for us guys to remember that we have to take, that's why the Bible says of a pastor of a church that he is taking the oversight. In other words, he grabs that thing. He says, hey, we're going to get this thing in the right direction. And as a guy, you got to have that in you, a little bit of that in you to just grab, just take it. Like, I'm not going to let this thing fall apart. Like over my dead body, I'm not going to let my family fall apart. Over my dead body, I'm not going to let my kids go to Satan. Over my dead body, I'm not going to let us fall out of church or get indifferent. So guys, if the, if the home is indifferent, that's because you're not grabbing it by the horns and saying, hey, we're going to make this thing work. And that's in a guy to be able to do, but it gets beat out of guys every at every turn in Hollywood or whatever else, we want our guys to be mellow, you know, and be, and be less masculine and more, 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 more feminine. And we want our ladies to lead and lead and lead and lead and lead. And I would just submit the world to you as an example and say, how's that working out, y'all? And so I think it's important for us to, to realize those things. Three things underneath that. Number one right there. Um, a guy is not a dictator. What's the best way to not be a dictator? Be a leader in actions, not in words. If you're a leader in actions, then uh, that tends to be a servant leader. In other words, you're willing to blaze the trail. You're willing to do all those things. You're willing to walk with God, pray with your family, etc. cetera. Uh, and you're not just shouting it at other people. The second thing is, of course, a guy is not superior. He is just simply uh, along uh, with the rest of the family. Now, look at this. Genesis, if you could go to Genesis... Chapter 3. I would say that the key mark of some people, there, okay, put it this way. There is a group in, let's take, let's take politics, for example. There's a group in politics that is bent on always trying to point out what is wrong with something, how something is unequal, how it is unjust, and how there's always mistreatment and unfairness happening, okay? And if you dropped them into a perfect situation where there, where there wasn't, they would, they would make inequalities in order to be able to point out inequalities because people, some people run off of inequalities, okay? So here's what's interesting. God sets up the garden in the beginning, right? Now, if God set it up, then we could assume that the parameters and the controls on that thing are perfect, that was the whole point of the garden. So we had to kick them out when the only variable in there was, talking science, was that man could mess up. So God was perfect. The environment was perfect. However, man had the capability to be fallible. And of course, like we do a lot of times, 
they, they fouled it up. So as soon as he fouled it up, then we had an imperfect world, but we still have a perfect God, okay? So in the beginning, there is a perfect world. So here we go, Genesis 3, 4 and 5. The serpent is introduced, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know in the day ye eat thereof. Then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Here's what she did. She came to him and said, Look, God knows this. He knows good and evil. He's withholding something from you. He has set up something where there's an inequality here, where he has more than you have. Therefore, in order for you to do that, you need to take of this tree and everything is going to add into you knowledge and it will put you on an equal plane. Now, the part that wasn't introduced was the fact that obviously it would lead into sin. Ultimately, they would lose their home. There'd be birth and there would be pain and and childbearing, all of those things. Uh, But he didn't say that. He just set it up and said, look, in this perfect world where it's not unequal, where of course God is superior, he said, look, there is this huge inequality here and a difference between these two people. Therefore, that's bad, bad, bad better tear down the system. And so there's always, um, when, when we look at the home here, uh, it obviously this lesson would not be well received in, in certain groups because we're saying, hey, guys, take the role of leadership and uh, see to it that your house is led in the right direction. And maybe I'm just super old school, but I'm willing to be whatever school the Bible is. And so um, Genesis 3, 4 talks about uh, the devil is behind perceived inequalities. First Corinthians eleven three says this, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of uh, the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. First Corinthians eleven three. On, going on to the next year. Um, a man is not always right. What? A man is not always right. Now, here's what's interesting. Let's say that you have a fallible player involved here, okay? So they could call the wrong play at times, okay? Here's what God said, which is so interesting. Uh, let's take this out of the realm of marriage. Let's put this in tithing real quick, okay? So God, is, God commands you to tithe to your local church, okay? But you say, but what if, what if, since the church is run by man, what if someone's skimming off the top or what if those funds are being misappropriated or whatever else? Has it ever happened before in church history? Yeah. Has funds gone to the wrong place? Yes, there have, which is why there's transparency and we have deacon boards and all those other things. Okay, so it has happened before. So those good-hearted people were paying into a system that was corrupt and someone else was lying in their pockets. That's horrible and that's terrible. And you're very, very, very correct. But you know what's interesting though? Is that God places a responsibility on me to tithe, Right. And if someone else is doing something wrong with it somewhere, God is plenty willing to judge that person and take care of that situation. However, I'm still blessed because I fulfilled my responsibility. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But my money wasn't going to where we're at. It's not your money, it's God's. So once it's released from my hands, once I give it into God's work, and this is why consistency and tithing and faithfulness is so, so important. Because here's what your role and your responsibility is. Your role and your responsibility is to tithe to God's work. Okay? Now, let's say that somewhere that there's a really crooked assistant pastor named Jeremy Lenentine, right? And he's just taking all that money right there. We're buying a new house and all of a sudden we've got new stuff. My wife shows up in a new car and all of a sudden you're thinking like, oh, that's so weird because I don't think that your salary matches the, your, your income that you have here, right? <laughs> so there I got a bunch of credit cards, right? Or I'm just, I'm taking a hundred grand from the church every single year, okay? God is, is plenty able to judge me yep. while still blessing you. That's yep. right. So, oh, should I have stopped tithing for that whole year? No, 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 because you were fulfilling your, your part, your role. Now, let's roll that into the home. We like that example. Let's roll it into this example, okay? God says this. God says this. I will bless you, lady, for following a guy, even if he makes the wrong turn. One day there's going to be one person that stands before the judgment seat of Christ and answers for your whole family, and that's the guy. Yeah. 
Sean stands before God and answers for the Littleton family. Tim stands and answers for the Stevens family, okay? Nick stands for the Blodgett family. Lydia doesn't. Jennifer doesn't, okay? Don doesn't. So with that great power comes great responsibility, right, Spider-Man? So God's given your husband the responsibility of leading this home. In other words, in this scenario here, he has 51% of the vote. Now, I, I believe that the wife still has 49% of the vote. It's not like her opinion is terrible. And guys, hopefully you're consulting with your wife. And if you're not, you're probably making a lot of wrong turns. Yeah, yeah. Okay? But if he's making a lot of wrong turns, ladies, it's still not up to you to jump out and say, okay, well, then I'm taking the wheel, kick you out of the car, because you're still blessed by fulfilling your role. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So even if your husband's not fulfilling the role, which happens, right? There's a lot of husbands not fulfilling their role. But let's be honest, there's a lot of wives not fulfilling their role. There's a lot of kids not fulfilling their role. There's a lot of people not fulfilling their roles. Why? Because we're human beings. So you are blessed by saying, okay, God, I see what the proper order for the home is. And he might turn the wrong way 10 times out of 12 and run us into the ditch and run into whatever and headlong into a car and all those other things. But I'm still blessed to do that. Now, let me flip the coin. Now that I've made the ladies upset, let me talk to the guys real quick, okay? <laughs> Uh, Margaret Thatcher, during the time of the presidency of Ronald Reagan, okay, they started to hit off a good uh, friendship and things like that or whatever, okay? But she came up pretty quickly in Parliament under a vote of no confidence. What's a vote of no confidence? House of Commons said, we think that you're messing up a lot. In fact, more than an elected person should. So they can call that vote of no confidence. Happens over there a lot more than it happens over here. Here we'd say we're invoking the, what article is it that pushes the president out or temporary insanity or whatever else? Something, the article of the what? 25th? I think so too. So basically what that says is we've, we've all agreed and we have a mutiny saying that you're not fulfilling your role. Therefore, we need, we're going to sideline you. Okay? And that can happen. Now, guys, it's on us to take our responsibility seriously, that if we're going to ask the family, okay, hey, I want you guys to follow me, that you ought to know where you're driving, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I ought to, to chart the course and plot the ship going in the right direction because I've got people behind me that are saying, all right, we're, we're with you. We're behind you. We love you, and we, we want to do this together as a family, and we're going with you, but please go in the right direction. And so, guys, we need to be making sure that we're going in the right direction. And a lot of times, or sometimes, I'll use a lot too much today, sometimes, um, a wife is hesitant to follow you because she's looked at a past record of mistakes or of you not taking leadership in an area. Now, the Bible is still true. It's still for her to say, okay, I'm still going to follow. However, guys, let's be wise into this thing. Maybe we need to ask more advice of the Lord. Certainly all of us do. Amen to that. Maybe we need to ask more advice of our wife. Maybe we need to certain those things. Now, I don't think your kids are going to get around the table and, all right, let's have a vote of no confidence. Dad doesn't know what he's doing anymore. That, that probably shouldn't, couldn't happen, okay? But at the same time, if your wife is hesitant in following you, you probably need to have a conversation because somewhere along the way, what she's saying is, I don't believe in your voting record anymore. We've, we've got into the ditch too many times. Now, ladies, don't hop into the driver's seat, but guys, recognize if everybody's not on board, it's probably because of the direction we're going. Now, let's, let's watch God bless those roles, though, okay? Check this out. Here we go. Every single one of you are in church, okay? But just because you're here, maybe we're not here, right? This graph is awesome, okay? This is the influence of parents attending church on the faith of kids. This is a survey from 2006, so it's got a couple of years on it. However, it's not super old, okay? So 72% right there 
is if our kids are going to turn out right, this is when both people remain faithful to God. Now, what's interesting is that does not say just faithful to church. Okay, what this means is that the, the morals that we're espousing by saying, hey, this is my church, amen, we're also espousing those morals in the home. We're consistent in both areas. And a lot of you are. I look around this room, man, I'm so thankful for so many couples in here that, that you espouse these morals here and at your house, okay? If you do that, mom and dad are on the same page in the house, there's a 72% chance, according to statistics, that your kids turn out uh, for God and that they'll be faithful in attending church later in their life. Now, the stats that I read on books from like Ken Ham and stuff called Already Gone, it talks about teenagers who leave and stuff like that, puts the percentage at higher than 50%, the kids walk away from God. It's, it's skewed towards the ecumenical church. Uh, what's actually uh, bigger church than ours, perhaps uh, like, like huge churches and things like that that we all know of. That's typically where they, they run their numbers from, okay? Hopefully, we're a little bit better than that. But here's the point. The point is, is that no matter how good your youth group is, no matter how good your pastor is, no matter how strong the preaching from the pulpit is and all those things that we agree on, if both spouses aren't dedicated to the Lord in church and out of church at home and things like that, you still suffer a pretty high chance that your kids won't walk, want to walk after the Lord, particularly from 18 to 25. They'll just leave. See you later. Don't want to be part of the church. Want to go out drinking club and spend a couple of years wandering around out there. However, if you keep a united front at home with grace and love, and also in the church, 72% chance. Now watch what happens. When only dad attends the church, how often does this happen? How many of you know of a case where mom says, I don't know any, no, nothing of the Lord, whatever, whatever. Dad's the only one in the home that brings the kids to church. This doesn't happen very often, does it? No. However, in the cases where it does happen, 55% still, the kids can turn out faithful to church afterwards. That's crazy. Mom only, 15%. So the difference of dad only, 55%, mom only, 15%. Guys, do you see how important it is for you to say, hey, I'm going to step up and I'm going to take that role. I'm going to grab the reins and say, okay, kids, for your future, for you to turn out right, daddy's going to bear the responsibility and say, as for me and my house, Joshua 24, 15, right? We will serve the Lord. I'm going to drive this car down the path of righteousness. If you'll do that, guys, 72%. What are the odds inside this class right here? We've got a bunch. I mean, like between us inside here, I think we have some like 320 kids or whatever uh, inside our class right here. You guys are uh, uh, abundant. It's, it's amazing, right? It's so good. So good. Healthy relationships, right? Um, if we could have 72% of our kids turn out God, I mean, and keep going in church and everything, that's amazing. That's amazing. So it does matter what you do in and out of church. It really does. Amen? Yeah. And guys, I know just because you're sitting here with your wife today, doesn't always mean that you're taking that role of spiritual leadership. I know that's an oucher, but there's a lot at stake, which is why I'm willing to say we can't become indifferent men and saying, hey, I'm going to find out, is, are my, is my, my little son, is my little daughter, are they loving the Lord? Are they reading their Bible? Am I reading it to them? Are all of those types of things, that's encouraging. Amen? So um, here we go. Wife's, uh, the role of uh, completer. How am I doing on time? Okay. Wives provide the role of completer. You know, I think it's interesting. Uh, Genesis 2.18 it says this. It is not good that man should be what? Alone. I will make for him a help me for him. How many wives know that it's not good for your well, husband to be alone for like more than 48 hours alone with the kids? Those different types of things, okay? Uh, basically, with, with, with our daughter, my responsibility role is from 9 p.m. to midnight. And I still find a way to do about four things wrong of the list that she uh, gives me. So it's not good for me to be alone even for three hours, okay? 
the rates, and I wish I had the statistics in front of me. It's really funny. Um, when, when couples get older and if the wife dies before the husband, the, the rate of remarriage for guys who will remarry after their, after their lady dies versus how many ladies will remarry after their husband dies is a huge disparity. Why? Because guys have realized too, it's not good for us to be alone. And so Genesis 2.18 plays out there. Also, let's, let's look at this. Guard against the indifference, uh, indifference towards biblical responsibility. Two people put on personal responsibility and God-given responsibility, so you guys were right on with your assessments today. First off, uh, the responsibility of leadership. And so this is rolling back uh, towards the guys again. Um, someone get um, – Nick, can you get um, 1 Peter 3.7 if you don't mind? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on with here give you guys three things here. Um, guys, number one, communicate with your wife. Communicate with your wife. All leadership takes talking, okay? You don't very, very rarely do you see a coach call a timeout. All the guys come in here. He's like, hey, just get some water. Just, just take a break. I'm not going to say anything. I just want you guys, you just talk. I'll just sit over here. The, the role of leadership is a role of communication. And the downside is, is that typically uh, most ladies, if the marriage is in trouble, most of the time the ladies will say, he doesn't talk to me, he doesn't communicate with me. This is like the number one culprit, okay? Uh, and so uh, all leadership always takes communication. Just remember that. Two right here. Or secondly, love your wife. Love your wife. Of course, we're commanded that husbands love your wives. And that's in verse number 25. And then next here, protect your wife. Protect your wife. First uh, Peter three seven says this. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, whenever you look at that, the weaker she's not. I'm not weaker. I can support. I can. What it's talking about there, though, okay, is a is a physical protection. Let's say someone breaks into your house tonight, ladies. Do you want to step up and take the first swing? Or would you rather your man take a step up there and take the first swing? Now, guys, if your wife's saying, I'd rather swing, it's time for you to hit the gym, okay? Uh, because you should be the one who, who can step up and take that punch. Or, uh, take that punch. Dish that punch, right? Come out swinging, guys. Just come out swinging. Um, there was a guy. Uh, I won't tell you. Uh, I'll let I'll let you I'll let you try to find out and you can ask around. There, there was a guy there was a guy on on our staff here, and he was talking him and his wife. His wife went away for a while or whatever, and so he said that whenever his wife's away, uh, he always sleeps with a gun because he's really scared of people intruding and breaking in. But when she's there, he feels like a lot more secure and safe. <laughs> so that's what I asked him. I said, so let me let me get this. If dude comes in the door, right? Boom! It's that night. He busts in the door. Who's taking charge? And he's like, oh, she will. She'll step up and take care. I was like, that's insane. That's crazy. So guys, don't do that. You want to be the first one out of the gate uh, to protect uh, the weaker physical vessel there. Responsibilities of the... There's only three of us, guys. So I mean, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. All right. The responsibility of the completer. The responsibilities of the completer. All right. Um, submit, submit. Okay, here's what I want you to write down next to this, okay? Because I think that sometimes we get unfairly uh, maligned on this, okay? You're going to write 51-49, okay? 51-49. Here's what this means. You have a decision that's coming up. You both pray about it. You discuss it or whatever else, okay? 
But it's time, like, okay, we need to find, make the final decision. According to the Bible, not according to me, don't throw stuff at me. According to the Bible, 51%, the guy says, okay, hearing all of this and what do you think, honey, or whatever, we're going to make this choice. And by the way, in counseling and talking to a lot of people, I rarely meet a guy who's just running roughshod over his family, that he's just not caring what she says and he's just bulldozing forward. This is not happening, okay? All right? If you're in an abusive relationship, uh, please report this to the authorities, okay? But all that God's saying is, is that somebody at the end of the day has to stand for and take responsibility, okay? If corporate comes down, there's got to be some man saying, hey, look, your numbers are terrible. Someone's getting in trouble for this. Someone is getting the ax for this. And ladies, if you want to step up and have God to drop that responsibility on you, and one day that, that judgment, in other words, weighing you in the balance, either our home turned out right or it didn't, then go for it. But God says that your husband's there. He has that responsibility. But he also has that judgment and that accountability before God one day to say, hey, you did lead your family. Congratulations. Or, hey, there was a lot of indifference there. And guys, that's why it's important for us to be stepping up where we should. Uh, number uh, whatever, encourage him. Encourage him. I think this is something that the ladies in our class do a very good job of encouraging towards that. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say that I think I think all the men have a lot of, of, of trouble when it does come to taking the opinion of your spouse when making decisions. Is that it's uh, I think it's hard for men to humble themselves to say that their decision was the best decision. Absolutely. And not to say that. Uh, Okay, well, I heard you. Good ideas, but we're still going to do what I said because I said it. Right, right. Uh, there's a there's a decision me and my wife were talking about the other day, and I said the same thing. And I said, look, I know this is obvious to you, but I really made the wrong call here. And she said, I know, but she didn't rub it in my face at all. She was very, very nice about it, and she's like, it's okay. We'll do this and do this, and we can fix it. We can get back on track or whatever else. Since I know that my wife, ninety nine percent of the time, is encouraging towards me. Okay, it helps me to be more honest and say like, you know what, I messed up. That's okay. We're gonna get through this together. That's a great environment to have in a home, obviously. Yeah. Not one where it's like, well, did you see what you? Did? Then, then of course, of course, he's gonna be prideful and never want to humble if you're throwing it in his face, right? So we gotta, we gotta give and take there to say, um, admit, as as Philip said, admit when we've made the wrong turn. Be willing to go back to your wife and say, hey, you were right. That's so hard to say, right? You were right. Uh, and then the wife, instead of saying, I know, just say like, well. So were you, honey. No, you weren't. All right, so next right there. Adorn your heart. Adorn your heart. Adorn your heart. And what does that mean, basically? Just love is better displayed than defined. Uh, and ladies, I, I heard um, there's a book written by Miss Hiles like 30 years ago on this subject. But ba- basically is that the lady is the Holy Spirit of the home. In other words, that she controls and affects the mood and the spirit of the home. <coughs> if your home has a loving and calm and peaceful spirit... That's the wife who's permeating that like a great fragrance over the home. If it's chaotic and frustrating, right, and backbiting and always angry and things like that, ladies, you set the the spirit of the home. Now, the guy brings the strength, okay, both physically and whatever else, unless unless your wife, you know, defends against the attacker. But in most cases, the, the husband sets the strength, but the wife sets the spirit, so let's have good, peaceful, chaotic homes. That's the best place to raise a kid, right? Those type of things. And uh, I believe you guys do a great job in that. Also here, guard against indifference towards biblical rewards. Towards biblical rewards. Um, here's what I mean. Everything that we just talked about in the last 25 minutes, okay? Does the world consistently believe in or do these things consistently? Yes or no? No, okay. So if we're going to do all of these extra things, does it take extra time 
to biblically lead, guys. Yes, okay? Is it easier to slack off and be indifferent? Absolutely, that's why it's the path that most people take. Okay, so if we're going to do all of these things then, what is the reward for us having that? What is the, uh, the, the talking point right there? So this, what is the divorce rate amongst Christians? What would you guys say? I think 52% amongst Christians, okay. Anybody else? Have you read anything on this at all? Or seen this subject or heard things or whatever? I think it would be Higher than that? Okay. <coughs> you were to say higher? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So there is a, there's a book that's out on my shelf for the longest time. I thought, man, I'm going to finally read this thing. I did. It's a book by Shanti Fieldham, which she does like for men only, for women only, right? Her and her husband write. She wrote a book uh, that talks about the truth about marriage and statistics. Because here's my thought. When I was in college, I heard our pastor got up there and he's preaching this sermon. And he was saying... The same thing that I've heard everybody say since I can remember, since I was a teenager, that the divorce rate, even amongst Christians, is above 50%. How terrible, how shameful, whatever, 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 whatever. I thought, like, first, obviously, I thought, man, that's sad. Secondly, I thought, like, well, then what are we doing? Like, why am I going to church? Like, why all the extra stuff? Why the extra marriage conferences? Why are you guys going to go to marriage retreat later on? Why do you do these things if if our settings are the same as the world? What's the point? Because at some point, you got to say, like, if I'm putting all this in, I'm getting nothing in return. Then what, what in the world is the point? So she did an actual survey because the survey that you hear is from Barna in 2006 where he said it's 50% amongst, but it's wildly inaccurate. So here's some good news, okay? Um, when they went around and calculated all of these things, the divorce rate – and by the way, by the way, I also started looking around and I thought, okay, well, if it's 50%, then people that I know in the church, it's got to be 50%. So half. I started looking around. I'm like, no, no, married, still married, still married. Married first, first, first marriage, first marriage, first. And I thought, like, I only know a couple of people that their marriage is falling apart, whatever else. So right away, I thought, like, that doesn't seem right to me, at least in my church. So I thought, like, well, either we're the greatest, most isolated church in the world or it's all, like, skewed, right? So what they do is that they count in a couple of different things. They count in if someone if, – if a spouse died and someone remarried, they count that against. They put it in the divorce column. Oh, wow. They just, they just skew things to calculate. So with the actual closer to it uh, averages – for America, is 33%. For America, 33%, which is pretty good. So just you just being married without even following whatever, you have a two-thirds chance that you'll stay together, which is great. That's really awesome. But here's what's incredible, though. People that are actively, actively conservative Protestants, okay, who attend church regularly, so basically where you're at, they're 35% less likely to divorce than those who have no religious preferences. So there's the difference in right there, okay? And so it's been reported. So here's the good news. Divorce rates amongst Christians is 30%, even though it's been reported that it's 50 or higher. So 30%. Now, that's too close because the world is, what, 33. Christians is, what, 30. However, it was found it was 20 to 50% less likely, that 30% right there, if both parents were actively involved in church and true and consistent in their Christian lives. In other words, if you in your home, both of you say, all right, we're following the Lord and we're, we're you know, in, in our Bibles and we have a Christian home and all those other things, your likelihood drops to like more around 10 or 15%. Now, as I look around the church and stuff, I say, that's about right because that's more of the people that I know. Now, I've watched my dad marry a lot of people over the years and I can look back and say, nope, 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 nope. But you know what's funny though, of those factors 
that if someone gets out of church, they got married here or whatever, and they drift or whatever else, they were a lot more likely to run into marriage problems and get divorced. But that only makes sense, of course. Because if you're sitting here and every week you're hearing about how to have a strong and healthy marriage, you're trying to put the work in, you're going to marriage retreats and you're working at it, of course you should see labor for, or profit for your labor. If there wasn't, then you would stop doing the labor, right? If you're getting paid $4 an hour, you'd probably find a new job within a week, right? But what you're doing has great labor and great reward because it's helping you guys stay together. And as we, the stat we saw earlier, it's helping your kids to grow up and stay in church afterwards. So continue doing it. Uh, there's a lot of good news for people that are willing to be true Christians in here and at home as well. Let's look at these things. Here's the reward though. I added all that to the lesson. Here's what the lesson actually says. Uh, the reward of answered prayer. The reward of answered prayer. Uh, I didn't include the verse on here. And I'm sorry that I can't remember off the top of my head though. But it says that... Uh, the spouses should be together and unified, that their prayers be not hindered, okay? In other words, uh, the happiness and the holiness of your marriage will help your prayer life, uh, you as spouses together. And God looks at you as one flesh now, right? So when he looks down and he's saying, okay, you together, what you have, okay, that increases the chances of your prayer life, which is really awesome. Okay, so we're at 1050 here. Last one, the reward of the grace of eternal life, the grace of eternal life. This is something, in other words, where your kids have the opportunity to grow up in a home where early on they hear about the love of Jesus Christ and uh, they're able to uh, get saved and, and uh, those different things. Um, let me just tell you this, um, and seeing stark contrast and everything, and obviously we're still in the, the honeymoon phase and everything, but it's amazing to us all the time how even at young age, the little age or whatever else, how kids want to learn about the Bible and how excited they are to sing songs of that and do Bible story times and different things like that. And it's encouraging. It's encouraging. And obviously every single one of us will walk through times of the rebellious kids or whatever else. Okay, it's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But what you do, if you take anything away from today, I just want to communicate to you that what you're doing by being consistent and faithful here in class and coming and learning all those things right there, it really does prove huge dividends and rewards in your family and the legacy of your children and children's children. And then, of course, immediately in your marriage and in your life as well. So thank you. I'm encouraged by your faithfulness. Love it when you guys come. Love your consistency and faithfulness as I look around the room. And uh, I enjoy going through life together with you guys. Uh, we're going to be at an 11 o'clock service right after this. And uh, so make sure, make sure.